I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Marcus Meets, a show which lives in podcast land, which is on the internet, which means you can listen to us on your computer, you can put us in your phone and take us with you anywhere you are. Great listen while you're commuting or driving, however you want to listen to Marcus Meets and for whatever reason, you can listen by going to marcusbronzy.com slash meets, that's M-A-R-C-U-S-B-R-O-N-Z-Y dot com slash M-E-E-T-S. Time for the fourth and final part of Funk Butcher on Marcus Meets. Funk Butcher is a producer, presenter, talker, now we know, uh, and also a label head. And we've discussed so much in the past three episodes of Marcus Meets. Now it's time for his final part where we discuss what his X-Men character would be like and why his love of gaming, teaching young people and working with the Metropolitan Police to help improve relationships between them and young people and between young people themselves. He's not the first person on Marcus Meets to to discuss depression and we touch on that, which is also a very interesting listen and we have loads of laughs on the way as well. But first I asked Funk how your education in politics helps you to negotiate the frequently political world of entertainment that you habitat? I think it's not just politics. I feel like it's the area I grew up in. The area I grew up in, in Clapton, uh, East London, Hackney, um, we had a lot of individuals and they were, they were, they were individuals. There was no kind of like homogenous group of, of people. The personalities were, they varied. And sometimes when you grow up in that environment, Coupled with the fact when I've I've gone on to study politics as a degree and I studied government politics at, at what's it called? There? It's called AS AS and A two level, which okay. are the, the the new degree at the time. They kind of they sacked off the the old A level and they gave students the opportunity to do a year of further education of a two year course and walk away with a degree after one year. That was called the AS and then the A two. So yeah. I did government politics from that. From, on, on that degree as well but yeah the politics the environment I grew up in it kind of bolstered me with uh, an ability to read certain situations I think that's what I do very well I read people if I was a, if I was an X-Man if Professor Xavier hired me into his school 
Yeah. You, you, got, you, you kick got, him out of the chair. Yeah, yeah I kick him out. <laughs> I turn over the chair. I don't even kick him out. I turn him over. Ah! His little bald head rolling on the floor. But once, once I've kicked him out, yeah, and he, and he turns around, he looks at me, he's like, what are you doing here? Like, it's a school for gifted people because I am a gifted motherfucker. And he says, like, what is your skill? And then you've got, you've got Cyclops there shooting his laser beams and then you've got Wolverine flicking at his knives at his, his, his fist. And I just say, well, my special power is like, I read people. I navigate the landscape. My special power is knowing what situations are advantageous and beneficial for me, for the person I'm, I'm, I'm going to be entering into it with and other people to kind of like steer clear from. So that's kind of held me in good stead throughout the, the large portion of my career. I can kind of read what situations and how to um, develop contingencies if I am in a situation which is a bit adverse and kind of, well, for, I mean, for one example would be my, my whole my whole kind of like the rinse situation whereby through that, my period at rinse, the contingency in my head was was kind of set in play from the very beginning to build an infrastructure to protect me if anything were to happen to me. And I've read that off the situations of, um, I've read that story on the basis of the people that were there in that, in that situation. It enabled me to kind of ascertain that, okay, Kwame, there's some people here that if this goes left, like you're going on the floor. So either you kind of like prepare yourself or yeah. It's very, very interesting because all too many a time we've seen people when there's a big change uh, on a brand and, and like you said, goes left or there's a tilt shift on the table and a few people go fall off the edge. Yeah. That's the last you see of them. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, you're right. It's really, would you say it's important to, to build infrastructure, yeah. have a plan? Yeah. Plan B, yeah. Plan C, Plan C, D, uh, as, as many plans as you need, really, to kind of like protect yourself. But that doesn't never, you can never implement those plans if you haven't read the situation properly. And that's why I say right. that the politics comes into it. If you haven't read the person, the institutions, the individuals that you're engaging in business with, because this is business, mm. really and truly, mm. it's it's business amongst friends, and sometimes people can get that skewed that a lot of the relationships this is this is why when people go oh the music industry is so fake it's so fake but that's because they've looked at it through the wrong set of glasses they haven't looked at it through the business glasses this is a group of individuals that know each other on first name basis probably longer maybe 10 15 years deep but they're all in business with each other Mm. so that business aspect whether you like to believe it or not is what is providing that that um that fake glaze right. over everything. Right, right. And it's, and, and really, and, and to kind of put it into perspective, it is no different from any other industry. That element of, I don't know, superficial kind of, um, the, 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 the superficial kind of, See, I don't even like the word, I don't really like to use the word fake too much because, mm. because it is not something that is completely unique to music. So 
fake seems pretty real to me it seems like anywhere you go wherever you go into enter any situations i think for a lot of people who describe the music industry like that i don't think they've actually worked in a corporate setting so if you've worked in a corporate setting if you've worked in a setting where you're in amongst people that you see i don't know maybe twice a week maybe less than that and you kind of get that impression of every time you've met they've been very amiable you feel like you've 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 developed strong ties good relationships good networks and mm. they feel that at that point in time that means that they're deserved of any kind of possible resolutions that might come out from business negotiations business negotiations to favor them yeah and when it doesn't go that way that's the way they call them fake right so mm. yeah it's it smacks of the i always say to people you need to be very thick skinned you need to be very thick skinned not to say that you, you you're not going to get angry but you need to be very thick skinned you need to be um and you can't be too sensitive yeah yeah no no room for sensitivity yeah, yeah. which it's, is su- which is surprising because drake has done so well you've always got one in the canister <laughs> always um one. Uh, let's switch it up a little bit. So, gaming. Yeah. You're an avid gamer, right? Love it. Um, Love it, man. What are you playing at the moment? With myself? No, joking. Uh, <laughs> edit that. <laughs> um, games. Gosh. I am... Um, I did, did I mention before that Final Fantasy VII changed my life, man? How did it change your life? Change what? Like, Des- was, describe how what the game was like, and then how that changed your life. I was one of those kids when I was younger where I would get the the Argos catalog, and I would will whatever product it was, I would will it out of the magazine. I'd just stare into it until like I invented three D printing. <laughs> like I would, <laughs> I would three D printing that Argos and just leaving pages and, 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 and hints around the house like dad will come out the toilet and you step onto like a, a sheet of Argos catalog what's this <laughs> conveniently on the right page circled the price circled highlighted yeah <laughs> so um, Final Fantasy 7 was, was that kind of era where I remember when it came out I'll never forget when it came out it came out at midnight um, um, shout out to my dad loving to bits he gave me a lift down to Electronics Boutique so Electronics Boutique was like a, a, a company that kind of retails um, computer games, all the, all the computer games at the time, Super Nintendo, PlayStation, whatever. And I think they got bought out. And I think they now exist as a company called Game. Right. Is Game still about? Game still about. Yeah, so they existed Game. I think they got Electronics Boutique. And then I think they had another name change before they became Game. So, yeah, it went there. They had the midnight launch, Final Fantasy VII. And leap prior, leading up to that period, I was just so enthralled with this this game. I never played any other Final Fantasies prior to that one, but I was the hype and buzz around it at my school at the time. I was getting the, the magazines, the, place, the official PlayStation magazine. I think I got a demo. I think. Hmm. I think there might have been. No, it wasn't a playable demo, but it was like a like a trailer demo. That's what it was. It was okay. a trailer demo of of the the scene when um, the the opening scene or or in Midgar when Cloud is running from the other um, 
Shinra agents and he jumps on the train and at the time when you look at the, the graphics now because there's a remake coming out this year yeah. and when you look at the graphics now it's just like, what's this like all blocky and everything but at the time this was like groundbreaking this was like some like the the height of, of CGI prowess do you know what I mean it's just like <laughs> whoa kind of thing can my TV take this kind of <laughs> so yeah but it changed my life because just being able at that age to kind of escape from the reality of where I was there and then and you're kind of in an area where there's always something going on someone had been stabbed or someone else had been shot or and you can just immerse yourself and escape within a computer game okay people might laugh and say oh what's this guy on the back but it was a bit refreshing that's the closest you could have got to therapy at that age Kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, probably a lot cheaper as well. So <laughs> PlayStation Therapy. But um yeah, so that with its free disc, it was free disc at the time, it was a really, really, really kind of long journey. And yeah, it was the I mean, aside from that as well, the the story is, is incredible and I am still wondering why. I mean it will happen soon. So some Hollywood um director or production studio is gonna catch on to it because obviously they're always going over to to Asian cinema and nicking ideas kind of thing so they're probably going to catch on to that and, and develop it into a film at soon, sometime or later Final Fantasy film I bet you'd love that love it man so that was Final Fantasy 7 which came out uh, how many years how many years ago I think it's 97 97 so yeah. almost 20 years later yeah. Final Fantasy 15 is coming out how, how do you how does that make you feel old <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah I mean again I think I spoke about on the last episode of How to Kill an Hour it's it's convenient how something so poignant to a lot of us with Final Fantasy 7 and then you've got Final Fantasy 15 coming out with it so call it coincidence call it whatever I feel like this Final Fantasy 15 release is going to be probably as special I wouldn't say more special because I don't think anything can top that like even a remake is going to be have nostalgic elements, but the remake wouldn't exist without the original. But right. I'm, I'm happy to see the remake. Right. I'm going to get it as well. But the Final Fantasy 15 um, release is going to be, yeah, it's going to be really, really um, great for that franchise because it had it did take a lot of knocks after Final Fantasy Seven because it it set the it set the benchmark so high, maybe too high for itself. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And the soundtracks in these games are yes. obviously, you know, I don't know how, what they were 20 years ago. I don't know if I can remember like, yeah. but they, it's real music now. Yeah. They're using games. Would you ever like to have your music featuring games? Uh, and what, what be, games would you want them in? I mean, if I could, not if I could, I think positive, put it out, put it, put it into the, into the universe. 3D print that. Yeah. 3D print 3D that. 3D print that. 3D print that bitch. Um, yeah, it would be a game like Final Fantasy VII or or something like that. Any of the Final Fantasy franchises to have my music in there as as one of the the soundtracks, one of the, one of the battle musics. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's another one off the bucket list. But this like this leads on to um, me in Japan. I Japan is like my spiritual home. Yeah. Why is that? I t- 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 is that is the food good? <laughs> <laughs> sushi butcher yeah. um, <laughs> um yeah do you know what i've i'm a big 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 fan of japanese culture 
And I think a lot of people are, whether they know it or not, whether they're, they're using their phones or playing their games or whatever kind of thing. It's just like when people turn around and say, I don't like house music. And just, you like that? It's like, oh, is this house? Kind of thing. Yeah. Like people do it all the time. So I'm a, I'm a big, like, I love it. Like whether it's like manga, whether it's their, their computer games, whether it's just like things like karate. And yeah, it's just, I've just been a big fan of it. And when I went in 2005, I don't think I think it was hard to get me back on that plane back to the UK man I do want to come home man really yeah yeah it's just incredible I mean when I went in 2005 I was seeing things like taxi doors opening by themselves I was like what the (laughs) like yeah it was it was crazy crazy like technologically they are light years ahead of us and it's just a very respectful country and whatnot. So I always joked, I joked to Trim. I said, Trim, like, I even said it to Banton years ago. Like, if I get a booking in Japan, I'll probably, I'll probably pack in. What else else is there? Yeah, that's it. That's the high point. Cha-ching. Yeah. What about the toilets that wash your bottom? Why aren't they, why aren't they here in the UK yet? Why? B-days. Yeah. No, but it's like, it's like they've got the special one with the laser tracking where it, where it tracks onto your, your bottom. I've heard about this. You can, is this a lie? Is somebody messing with me? Like laser guidance. Laser guidance, yeah. B-Day. Yeah. So what's a, B- a B-Day is that as well though, isn't it? Yeah, B-Day, but in, in, in Japan, apparently they've got the ones that have like lasers that, that, that you know, focus and make sure they don't miss. Laser if you B-Day. position yourself on a B-Day wrong, yeah. you could end up, you know, just getting a wet back. <laughs> if you're too far back, you end up getting a wet front, I guess. So laser tracking, while it's great for firing missiles, yeah. also good for firing jets of water, apparently. See, Japanese, man. Don't mess with their, their artillery, their, their, their military prowess, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so you uh, so we spoke about Funk Butcher the Gamer, spoke about Funk Butcher the Producer, yeah. Label Boss, uh, Boss, uh, Twitter Stirrer, Stirrer. <laughs> um, and many other things. But also, um, you're doing some really, really important work to help out the area that you're in and also the rest of London, hopefully the rest of the UK, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Oh gosh. Where we how, did, how did this come around? This came about, I mean, there's obviously people out there doing amazing work. What I have added to it is that I had this kind of like this moment where I felt, I felt capable and I feel like sometimes um, a lot of, people out there, they don't feel capable. So that's why they don't act at that time. I felt capable when I began to teach, and I'm not a trained teacher in the trained teacher profession kind of sense in, in terms of that, I have a qualification to teach. I just teach a skill set that I have acquired skills in. I sound like um, Liam Neeson in, <laughs> I have a specific set of skills. Yeah. So I will find you and produce you. Yeah, I'll find you and I'll make a hit for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when I was, when I, sorry, ha, when I have been teaching over the years, it's enabled me, it's gave me a sense of confidence to be like, well, I feel like music and teaching and providing an avenue for young people to kind of get into something they care about is a very, very powerful deterrent from what is going out there on the streets. So I involved myself in 
the discussion every so often, and this is this is where the the Twitter thing does kind of um, play an important part because Twitter, social media in general, Facebook, but more so Twitter because I feel like the way Twitter is set up it is is open access all areas. When you're if you're as long as your Twitter feed is open, anyone can access and be part of this conversation. So it's a lot more unrestricted than Facebook. Facebook you have to be a friend per se or following them or whatever. You can't, aren't going to see it, but um. Through Twitter, I was able to kind of start the conversation, get people kind of thinking along the lines of, yeah, what is going on is bad. Yeah, fuck everything else. Like, this, what's going on in the capital, month after month, over the years, is terrible. It's, it's horrific. Like, you don't need to look further afield. And it's not disrespecting the other atrocities which are going on around the world. You see, this is the thing. People feel that like has to be one for another, for the other. Like these, these bad things can still occupy the same space of our disdain, kind of thing. You don't need to be like, "Whoa, man, I've only got enough tears for that thing." Like it doesn't work like that, kind of thing. You can be as upset for however many things as you like, but what to me speaks volumes is obviously um having that due care and attention to your local community first and then kind of broadening your perspective outwards and seeing what else is going on now from a local community perspective the deaths of these young teenagers through knife gun crime just youth violence in general has something that we've never ever really tackled we kind of like brushed it under the carpet oh this has happened oh it's just I don't know just some disputes with young people oh these kids are crazy kind of thing and this is in the backdrop of like well now it was always kind of there but now it's been termed the period of austerity so when you've got these austerity cuts and you're you're pulling back resources which has been happening from not just from this government the government before you're pulling back resources on their their social provision, whether or not they've got their youth centres and whatnot, and I mean, you just just walk around and just like the general gentrification of areas and 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 um um the the kind of yeah the kind of the way young people and youth have been left out of the conversation of the capital per se. It is, I'm not saying there's an excuse for it, but there's a lot of reasons why certain things have happened and have kind of, they appear to be growing in, 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 in abundance, these, these incidents. Mm. So my approach to it is that some way, in some shape or form, the... The kind of the biggest voice box that well, the, the 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 speaker, which a lot of young people are in tune to, is the music speaker, as opposed to other kind of um, speakers in def- different other industries and entertainment and whatnot. The the speaker, the voice of music, represented by its artists, the stations, the music labels, whoever, their voice is so powerful and kind of like impenetrating that if they spoke as one unified voice or if they was able to kind of direct these young people into avenues of um, 
certain career paths which can provide as a, as a deterrent from hanging out there in that environment where things are likely to happen after school and whatnot, or 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 give them some sense of of ownership, some sense of ownership that they're, they're building an an empire or or they're building some sort of entrepreneurialness that when push comes to shove, they are more likely to protect. And when you can kind of take people on that, that path, then you can kind of stem the, the, the needless violence. And I mean, I'm not going to go out here and, and, and say, oh yeah, well, everyone's going to be um, singing Harry Krishna and, and, and walking down the street holding hands and, and do you know what I mean? And straight, like, again, I'm, I'm a realist. I know we're not going to wipe out all of youth violence and whatnot, but I do understand that that avenue has never been activated. That's never been used yet. So if the music community was to get on board, that would be, that would be brilliant. So myself um, and a community called End Youth Violence, um, which is a cross-party um, collective of MPs so MPs from Labour Conservative um, Lib Dem they put their differences aside to say let's come together let's fight this this problem this real inherent problem of what is happening to the young people and that's refreshing because here's a time and we don't have a lot of time between the, the between now and the time when they choose to call to call the next general election. That's really how long we've got between the the time where the tide can change, when the next um, prime minister might come in and say, "Nah, don't want to, don't want those those resources, those man hours, man woman hours spent there." Like, let's let's put a let's put a, a, a pin in that balloon. So we we don't have a lot of time to kind of mobilize this effort, activate it, get everyone on board, get everyone around the around the table. And begin to start the dialogue. And I'm not even a fan of dialogue. I hate dialogue. I hate talking. I'm, I'm more, I'm more a doing person. I'm just like, okay, let's do it. But I understand that the conversation needs to happen first so that you've involved all parties. And I mean all parties in the sense of the music community, the, the, the police, the, the, the parents who've actually lost loved ones and so forth and get them working together to to foster some sort of viable outcome of how you can get the bulk of these young people known or potentially are going to commit crimes like that into something which is a lot more advantageous and beneficial for them rather than, I don't know, ending up on programs where they're explicitly um, implicating themselves, such as that, that Channel 5 program. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Which one was that? Gangland. Oh, when they gave gangs cameras and... Yeah, and obviously there's, there's two, it's a two-pronged argument. Some people are saying like, well... These kids are idiots. They shouldn't say that and da 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 and whatnot. And I guess the the parent in me, I guess the um, the the just the, the the person that has always like a like a positive perspective first beforehand before I arrive at the 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 kind of like the if if there are any negative connotations, the the, the positive person in me always um drives towards the belief that these young people or people involved in this program if they could be provided with another opportunity they would like a viable if they and and this is the thing some a lot of people kind of forget how we we got our jobs and how we kind of fell into situations of employment or how we kind of got into career paths and avenues and whatnot and if you were ever in a situation where you made a mistake early on in life, it can make things that path very, very, very difficult for you. So, um, these young people on camera kind of saying stuff and being, um, braggadocious and, and whatnot about their lifestyle and what they're doing and whatnot. Because I feel at that early stage, I haven't actually been, um, in situations whereby they've shown like a viable path route and they've actually been shown where this leads to like one's short term, one's long term, one's risky, one's not whilst mm-hmm. they haven't, it hasn't been articulated to them at, at the very early stage. And I'm not talking about social, social, um, or social workers or youth, youth workers working alongside them. It depends on which time, at which time point they catch them. I feel like, like I said, this group, they haven't had that. And a camera crew has said, "Like, yeah, you can, you can be on TV." Yes, it's, um, I think that's a. So it was a. Sh- I felt like it was a shame when I watched it. I thought it was a. It was a, a bit of misjudgment mm-hmm. in terms of what was what the outcome was of the show. I think yeah. it could have gone a different way. It could yeah. have been shown a different light. Yeah, but of course. In terms of your your process of of improving the real life situation, mm-hmm. how important is it? to be working with authorities like the Metropolitan Police? I feel like it's it's very important. I feel like in this country, there's no point in trying to develop some sort of scheme, some sort of 
project and trying to be rogue outside of the the machinations of all the other institutions you operate in independent how's that ever going to run how like like and i don't mean that in the kind of like in a despondent way i just mean how do you get to a level of kind of like mass appeal mass notoriety in a good sense where everyone is on board and knows about the good stuff that you're doing if you're not engaging with um people at the government and what and 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 the problem is is because certain institutions uh, within the government and the police force they've had a period where certain people within these agencies haven't helped the public image and perception of them. So that makes it very difficult for people to to see the bigger picture of, okay, well, we know that this and that has happened over there, but this is the place we still need to be having a dialogue with yeah. because not everyone in those places is like that. Mm. And again, I'm just, yeah, I'm a pacifist at heart. I think above all else, I'm a pacifist. I feel like the energy that you spend kind of like backing your friend in the fight, you could be talking your friend out of that fight. Do you know what I mean? And I've I've always felt like if everyone kind of had that perspective and and whatnot, and in some in some cases it is an oversimplification, but in some like in most cases, if you can get everyone to the table and rationally kind of like iron out all your differences there and then like verbally then at some stage you can get to like a rough a rough um like a skeleton Mm. of a direction that you can begin to move forward collectively but this has to be a collective effort Mm. because it involves everyone's children yeah yeah i really do hope you're the best of it man like i you know you can only try, man. Yeah, I hope you get to get all parties involved. You want to get involved and, yeah. and sort of make a make a change. That's so cliched. Mm. Make a change. Make but, a change. But um, I think you know if anyone can do it, bruv, you in it. Um, how do you manage to to balance your output of so many things and not just keel over and <laughs> and and die? <laughs> yeah, I, funk, funk clutches his chest. Yeah. <laughs> How how do you not? Um, well, I don't really. Yeah, that's that's the. He's saying he's smiling. <laughs> it's not a joke, Harvey. No, um, yeah, I I don't really. I've 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 struggled on on various levels, whether it's via depression, whether it's um, well, I actually use the D word in public. Yeah, so via that, um. Why not? Let's be candid out here. Um, um, my, my, well, physically, I've gone through stages where they found a growth in my liver last year, which they, they believed to be cancerous at the time. So that was, that was last year. And that was a bit like to be of like, I'm kind of like just entering into my thirties and to kind of hear that, that word, that big C word. It's like, huh? It, it always felt like yeah. it, was, it was happening to someone else. It would never happen to you. And I feel like that's, that's one of the, the aspects of life 
that you begin to become more accustomed to and aware of that anything that you perceive that you hear of, it can happen to you. I mean, it's like mm. to, to ever believe that you're in a situation where the certain things, certain aspects will never happen to you. You're setting yourself up for, for a real shock. Mm. So, um, the interesting thing about that is obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a teetotaler mm. completely. So ironic. Yeah. I don't touch anything, anything kind of thing. Like my, my insides are a temple. But, um, <laughs> so to kind of like be faced with that situation was a bit of a like, it's a, it's a bit crazy. It's a bit crazy. I didn't know how, to, how to deal with it per se because I didn't know which ways it's going to go yeah. and whatnot. Um, some light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing came from that because I had a biopsy, I had a liver biopsy around October yeah. and, got the results in the back end of November, December time. So they said, everything's all clear. I said, like, okay, brilliant. All clear is in, it's in what? Like, all clear is in the sense of you don't have cancer, but we don't know what the growth is. I was just like, mm, okay, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. Could this be like cancer sequel? Is this cancer? <laughs> <laughs> is this cancer too? The return of. Yeah, the return of the cancer. I shouldn't be laughing about this. Um, I'm dying here. But um, uh, yeah, so they didn't know what it was. And uh, I was just like, okay, not, not dismissive, but I was just like, I had to put it back to the recesses of my mind because obviously the work that we're in, we're freelance. Mm. There, there are no off days. You have to keep going with the checks there. You have to get the check, you have to do this, you have to do that. And you pretty much have to be on the ball. Like I'm a self-professed workaholic. Like, I hardly sleep. And the reason tying into what you're, you're saying, saying to me is because I believe my illnesses, not even going on a, on a hippie vibe, but I believe they've been as a direct result of everything that has been going on over the past well over 10 years. Yeah. Like the weight of it has taken this toll on my body. Like whoever is inside me is like, okay, that's enough. Yeah. Just switched off the power kind of thing. It's like a physical manist- manifestation of, of, of the pressure. Yeah. Amounting up yeah, and yeah. you're not relieving that tension. Yeah. And, and the second, the second episode is when I had, um, I had something called a, a pulmonary embolism, which is, in layman terms is a double, a double blood clot in my lungs, in yeah. both lungs. So that happened in January. So yeah, I was on, uh, a drug for anyone who has loved ones on, on someone close to them on, um, who has a blood clot. I was on a drug called warfarin and mm. that's a, and that's a drug that thins the, thins the blood. And literally I was going to the hospital every, every week. You remember this? I was going, I was, I'd mm. call you and then I'd go to the hospital and I'd have to fill out my, my little book. And this little book basically told, tells you the, I think the term is viscous. Yeah. How viscous yeah. your blood is. Yeah. Kind of, so they prick your thumb and then they, they do a reading of it and they tell you, and it, they, it was weird. It's like, I don't know if they had a calculation, like blessing nurses there at the hospital. Yeah. They didn't have a, I don't know if they had a calculation, but it looked like some little rudimentary assessment. Like, oh, well this week we're going to give you, um, <laughs> we'll give you six grams. Oh, yeah, yeah. You come back lovely. Yeah, they're yeah. really nice. Like, yeah. so, and yeah, so, I was taking the different um, levels of the medication to try and find my 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 blood bl- blood clotting level within a certain range. 
And yeah, that was a bit upsetting because coming off the back of someone saying, Hey, you might have cancer. Then you, hey, you got a blood clot now. It's just like, okay, like this is, I'm, I'm literally like, like literally looking at the sky. It's like, anything else you want to give me kind of thing? Like, maybe I shouldn't hold my breath, but yeah. But, um, it was, it was a lot to take in. Obviously, the, the work is a bit of a blessing and a curse because obviously I understand probably the work has actually put me in the situation, but the work has provided a welcome distraction for me to actually be jacked into what is actually going on. Because if I was actually dealing with it with no other distractions going on, like the way of it would be like, oh, 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 kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a, it's, it's an interesting perspective to, to kind of like be thrust into. Um, of how fragile the human body is. And I mean, I mean, everyone goes, Hey, don't eat that. Don't eat that. And it's just like, well, to be fair, I mean, my diet could be better, but by and large, like, there ain't no one beating my liver kind of this, yeah. this day and age. Yeah. And, and yet I, I got hit with all these serious things happening. So yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, you can't really, um, begin to kind of, uh, position yourself in the healthy or unhealthy category like you're not really in control of that as it is yeah and and so obviously you're you're focusing on your health mm -hmm. you know um trying to through necessity yeah as, as, as well as being a healthy person yeah um you mentioned depression real quick yeah it's so common like yeah, it is. there's so many episodes of 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 Marcus meets already where people disc in entertainment side of things uh -huh. discuss the ups and downs. Yeah. Why is it still so taboo? Some, a discussion when we work in a, in an industry where you're fueled by love yeah. of others, really. Yeah. If you yeah. are, that's yeah. what you are. People yeah. like it. People like your shit. Yeah. It's their love in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why is it so, why is it so taboo? Um, I think it's, it's perceived as taboo because for a lot of people it's fictitious. A lot of people believe that depression is a manifestation that's happening in that person's mind, mm. and that and that comes about from that person being that person right. in question, being able to deal with what is on board. So, it's for any other illness, like if you whatever, what is it? You um. Um, touch a rusty was it touch a rusty screw tetanus screw, yeah, yeah, get tetanus, tetanus yeah. kind of thing yeah. there's like that's like a universal response to touching the screw yeah but if you have one person um, give him a shitload of work mm -hmm. and they get to the top of their their company and they run a conglomerate and whatnot, mm -hmm. and you give another person a shitload of work and they run whatever a massive supermarket chain, give another person a shitload of work, they go and jump off the, a bridge. So it's yeah. like, Ripping out, yeah. yeah. And it, and it's because people can't actually begin to like rationalize. Why does this not happen to everyone else? That's when you begin to be, people can begin to kind of like poke holes and find like, yeah, find holes in the idea of depression being a universal illness that yeah. anyone could be can be um, subjected to. And um, what's your what's your coping mechanism like? I'm not uh, saying it like you you require one and you're like that. Like you know, everyone has very levels of depression. Yeah. I mean, like it could just be a bad day, like yeah. um, or a bad week or month yeah. or, or half a year. But 
What gets you right though? Um, football, football, really, really, yeah. And the reason I, the reason why I say football is because football is is like is one of those things where a lot of my a lot of my depression comes from or has come from in the past, like stress. Is obviously like where it comes from everyone, but it's, it's the weight of stress and where that stress comes from. So if I feel like there is a collective weight of all the tasks onto me, it's like it's chasing me, it's like following me, like, like come after me, like Babio <laughs> kind of thing. The way, <laughs> the way, um, I deal with it is, well, a lot of the days now, the, the way that, that stress, that workload is communicated to me is via the smartphone, is via the laptop, is via the the football pitch. I'm not carrying a phone. I'm not, I saw, right. actually, I went power league last week and this guy was playing, he had a phone in his hand. Maybe he's, A guy was playing and tweeting. Yeah, I don't know. He, 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 was, he was playing, he was Snapchatting. Hashtag so. good pass. Oh, oh he's Snapchatting. Okay, okay. okay. So, so, yeah, that was on that was on another pitch. But yeah, that's, that's a place where I'm forced to relinquish those those things so whatever for those I think I play on average now like four hours a week on different days so I'm I'm yeah I'm finding yeah shit I know <laughs> so getting, getting, right. getting the cardio in everyone that does a little 5k a day yeah <laughs> <laughs> four hours man yeah so yeah so that's kind of like the the main way where I feel like I can by force escape yeah. the means of having to of having these these stresses and these pressures communicated to me mm. because some people will say oh well why don't you prioritize them i'm just like because they're all a priority yeah i don't know yes. how to, i don't know how to put them in order they all need to be done yeah. kind of thing they all need to have been done yesterday asapish yeah so yeah interesting well th- no thanks for sharing that because i think the more of these episodes that i do the more i learn how common these there are these themes in, mm-hmm. in the world of entertainment mm-hmm. and you know it's good to know that before you get into something there are those elements because i think it means that you're better equipped yeah if everyone was aware because i think from the outside it can look like oh my god like yeah i'm gonna go for an extreme point and i hope this doesn't come across wrong but robin williams mm-hmm. and was like what yeah he was funny yeah he was so yeah. successful yeah. why yeah yeah i didn't really think yeah because they're called cool. they're so yeah. caught up in the in the superficial mm. um perception the, the the mask that he had to wear mm. and it's funny because you say that well with this episode is the more the repetition if it's kind of like pushed out there pushed out there pushed out there it can kind of allay the fears and empower and strengthen yeah the the next generation of producers entertainers whatever yeah. coming into this and me as an educator when i've taught the people in my um the music programs that i've done over the years one of the aspects that I've tried to teach them is kind of like strength of mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all well and good being able to produce the most amazing track, whatever. It's a totally different aspect when you've produced the most amazing track ever. It's like gone to every club around the land and then you're getting booked everywhere. And then all of a sudden the emails stop coming and the phone stop ringing. How do you deal with that yes. kind of thing? So, um, a lot of the times when I've been teaching in the courses that I've done, whether it be music production, radio, DJing, when I've done outreach work, um, I've been trying to kind of like connect with the 
the, the young person that I'm, I'm dealing with. And I guess it's, it's no different from a lot of people. And I'm not just saying it in just in the music field we went through. We're actually in a period now in the, in the age of the entrepreneur. It's the, it's the DIY age, the age where you have to be the DJ, you have to be the graphic designer, you have to be the, 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 the personal trainer. These are all things that people at the time, they wouldn't have seen as kind of like viable career paths. But yeah. Because there was no security in the, in the public sector or private sector. Like a lot of us got laid off like around 2000 when that, that crash happened. And um, was it Credit Crunch 2. Mm. Sounds like a film. Yeah. Yeah. When that happens. The Revenge of the Credit Crunch. That actually sounds like, like serial Credit Crunch 2. <laughs> When it when that happened around that time, um, obviously people in, reg, in regular jobs they had to find that exact same attribute within themselves to keep look to pick themselves up out of that situation yeah. and go forth in either the same avenues or different ones. So it's it's actually a universal requirement in this day and age whereby you actually need to be resilient. That's like one thing that you're not really taught of when you go through that period of adolescence that mm. you've got to be resilient. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that yeah. means. Like when you're young and you hear that, you're like, well, what's that mean? Resilient, yeah. yeah. No, you have to be resilient. You're going to get, yeah. you're going to get a knock kind of thing. And you're not going to be able to block the knock. Yeah. You're not going to be able to duck it. You can't you're gonna, block the knock. Yeah. You can't block the knock. Like a t-shirt. That's yeah. a good t-shirt. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Can't Trade, block the knock. Trademark. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you're, you're so right, Funk. And um, everyone has their own ways of, 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 of coping and mm-hmm. it's always good to hear, always good to hear yours. Yeah. Um, this is a bit of a dickhead question I'm going to ask you going in I don't think you'll think I'm a dickhead but I think listener <laughs> will think I'm a dickhead you also do this podcast called <laughs> How to Kill an Hour yes yes what, what, what's, what's that about like uh, how did you get into that yeah so I do a podcast called <laughs> How to Kill an Hour <laughs> I was actually wondering when you was going to tie that in. This is like, yeah. Uh, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said before, it's, it's really advantageous and a blessing for me to kind of get thrust into different avenues because I feel like without blowing my own, my own trumpet, I am pretty competent at different things if given yeah. the opportunity. So yeah. I was just like, what podcast? What talk? Yeah, I can do that. I feel like I've got a, a decent uh, head on my shoulders and whatnot. Mm. So, you approached me to um was it Billy Billy's over there, Billy's inside the studio. Like, Bill, it's about a year, isn't it? Year and a half now, mate. Okay, so about a year and a half ago. Um, By the way, Billy's the producer of How to Kill an yeah, Hour. Billy's the producer of How to Kill an Hour, so that's what I asked him. He would know. He, he's not right now, he's just lying on the couch. Yeah. That's what's <laughs> that's, tweeting. That's what producers do in twenty sixteen, isn't it? Yeah. Lazy, yeah. lazy mofo. Yeah. So um <laughs> So around about a year and a half ago, I got invited up by yourself and Ace, yeah. shout out to Ace, to be a guest on How to Kill an Hour. And I just really, really, really loved the concept of it. I like, I like, I wasn't sure of, because funny enough, that was my first kind of interview setting. Well, I've had, I've done kind of like press stuff, but nothing like that where it was kind of like open format yeah. and being able to talk about all your, your funny anecdotes and, and whatnot and tying them in, into, and cause tech is something I'm very, it's very close to my heart mm. kind of thing, having that aspect tied into the show and whatnot. So being invited on to do that show, it was kind of like an eye opener. I was just like, whoa, like up until this point in time, if you told me what my 
perception of radio was, I probably would have given you, yeah, something what I've, I've been, what we've been raised to believe it is two decks and a mixer. Yeah. Kind of thing. Always. But, yeah, yeah. So this whole re-education, um, the miseducation of Funk Butcher. Yeah. Like <laughs> this whole, um, being, um, having my brain recalibrated to kind of understand what, how broad the radio community is and the, the possibilities. It's just like, okay, this is amazing. So, um, yeah, when you reached out to me, I think a couple, about a month or so, a couple months later to say that, like you read the show was really good Went and everyone, so well. yeah, it was yeah. like really funny and whatnot. And it was just kind of like, it felt very natural. I was just like, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Cause if it felt natural, that was good. Cause I was being natural. So that's, that's even less stress for me to kind of come and be my normal self and then do a job that, that kind of works with, every, with everyone. Yeah. And then, yeah. So it's, it's really amazing from that point onwards to kind of be considered as part of the how to kill in our family and just helping build content and building the brand going forward. And, Looks like we're, we're, we're doing what's still top of the tech charts. Hey, hey, <laughs> another one. It's, it's going to feel weird ever, ever being outside the top five. Of, 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 it even feels weird when you're not, you know, second place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, no, no, it's, I'm just, um, I'm just, I'm just getting used to like coming up here one day, like doing the show, leaving the studio in my fur coat with my glasses on. Like, ah, <laughs> girls tearing my shirt like get off me like having to run to the uber car quickly slam the door yeah man that's what's happening uh, it, it, it's um it's great it's great that you're part of something that's um it's like you said it's just this whole re-education of 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 talk radio yes where as i'd say 10 years ago it was talk radio was something for well-educated uh-huh. highly opinionated yeah people that weren't young 10 years ago if you said to me talk radio i would have said something like the archers yeah i used to think i used to, I used to think talk radio was shit yeah. I, I honestly did yeah. and i used to be like oh God, yeah. a talk show yeah uh, a yeah. panel show a debate yeah. show yeah. Oh. Yeah. but um yeah luckily with podcasting there's um uh, you can uh, do a lot of other stuff and we have fun with it as well <laughs> you enjoying it though I'm loving it wicked um how do you like to kill time funk um gosh loads multiple ways the football um on the netflix um recently playing new games that come out on 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 the playstation yeah just mm. yes, yeah you're an avid batman fan though, aren't you yes there's gonna be a batman vr but it was batman day this week when oh, i didn't know when was batman day seriously you missed it it's only wednesday today yeah tuesday. is it tuesday so it was yesterday yeah, tuesday so i think I think Batman Day was either Friday or Saturday. Oh, so it's last week? Yeah. Oh. So it's actually Batman Day. Oh, man. This isn't about so that- me. It's about you. <laughs> it's about you, Funk. Anyway, so yeah, you. where did this love for Batman come from, though? Um, do you know the funny thing is, yeah, it's one time I, I felt like this was just really, really stupid. Man. No, um, I connected with Batman because I felt like He's got a public and private face and public and private. He likes helping people. I like helping people. Yeah. Um, he's very clandestine, as am I, kind of thing. Um, yeah, he's, when he's in that aspect with the, the in the community, he's a socialite. So I am, kind of thing. It's just, yeah, I'm just not a billionaire. That's all. So, yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah. what I'm saying is I've never seen you and Batman in the same it, room. There you go. There you go. The Black Knight. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to say, yeah, because he's a strong black man. <laughs> I looked up to him. Anyway, no, uh, thank you very much, Funkin. And, and let's end it here. Like, to say that you're, um, uh, that you that you didn't know you were good at talking uh, and that you think you can do anything you put your mind to really is, is proven by the fact that this is probably going to be like three or four episodes of fun. Which really? Are, yeah, oh, wow. man. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's all been really, really good. And uh, I can't wait to get it out there, man. Um, how can everyone keep in contact with you? Um, the best way is um, if you want to email me for any kind of like bookings or stuff like that mm-hmm. all my details is on my uh, Twitter at Funk Butcher on the Twitter I've got an actual website um, FunkButcher.com I've got the label obviously HouseologyLabel.com I'd also urge you to um, check out and add yourself to the Secluded Area of Music Facebook page yep. uh, that's my imprint with me and Trim and yeah please do also um, sign up to the HouseologyLabel.com newsletter because we regularly roll out content of events and other nights that we're curating, other events aside from music. So we've got a really, really, really cool Art and Sonics night, which is a combination of music and visuals. So, Art and Sonics. Yeah, Art and Sonics. Oh, so we'll keep, we keep you posted on that. But yeah, definitely. For that. And obviously as well, subscribe to How to Kill an Hour. Hey! <laughs> Look at him. Any well trained. <laughs> Cheers, bro. Uh, what a great set of episodes from Mr. Funk Butcher for Marcus Meets. Um, we've, I feel like we've discussed everything. Absolutely everything. Uh, it was a great chat. This show has been produced and hosted by Marcus Bronzy. Thank you to all the co producers, including Billy Wright, Shane Powell, Milo Fisher, David Shawcross, and a special thank you to kyle james and wide awake aka cj beats and jordan crisp for our intro stings and music you can listen to marcus meets via marcusbronzy.com forward slash meets that's m-a-r-c-u-s-b-r-o-n-z-y.com slash m-e-e-t-s and that will work with whatever device you desire we'd love your feedback in the form of a review and rating we've made that super simple there's a link in the show description click on that and tell us what you think of the show because you're the one that we make it for in the meantime thank you again for listening and we'll be back with a interesting marcus meets with somebody from across the other side of the water is all i'm gonna say uh and that's coming up in this next episode thank you bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.